Ooh, the Duke is a little. Is that Kiki D? I think it's. Is it Kiki D Duke? Yeah. Oh. In with Elton on that one. Is it? Oh yeah, Kiki D and Elton. Yeah. Oh, won't go breaking my heart. Hey, uh, Golden Bears football team. First time three and zero since two thousand five. Now they are off to UBC this Friday, September twenty second. So it's kind of funny. Last week it was the Huskies in Saskatoon. Elks are playing the Riders in Regina. This week, Lions are here. Bears are playing in UBC. Uh, UBC's got a, a good squad, but I mean, to go into Griffith Stadium and win that game, kudos to the the Golden Bears to go 3-0. and We'll have a Chris uh, Morris on this week sometime, Duke, I would imagine. Hoping to, yeah. Yeah, we'll have him on for sure. Uh, text line 1-833-401-1440. Um, Delk sends this in. Uh, we live in a digital world where personal privacy is limited. These players are overreact, overreacting to a simple mistake. Babcock did not share these photos with anyone. The media is blowing up the story like they always do. The one thing about uh, that is that what about if you're down, let's just say nothing happened about this. Let's just say, you know, Mike Babcock is still there. What happens if down the road in a week or two, a young player like an Adam Fantilli, uh, like Kent Johnson, uh, all of a sudden he's not playing much anymore and he's going, man, I mean, Babcock saw my summer vacation on when I was at the lake with all the boys, you know, pumping back a few, a few cold ones, yada, yada. Is he taking this as uh, that I wasn't uh, prepared or wasn't uh, going into the season fully uh, committed? Um, so bring up that point. Uh we uh, asked our uh, listeners to give us a prediction on the Oilers' first eight games of the season, four on the road, four at home. Uh, this comes in from JCD. We just need to avoid the December-January slump that we always seem to have. Inject those boys with some vitamin D. Um, the other one uh, coming in about Trey Fix Wolanski. Now, oh, there's a, a guy, an Edmonton guy, played for the uh, Oil Kings, had a pretty good junior career. For the most part, has been a Cleveland monster, but has played 15 games in the NHL with Columbus, signed a, a little bit of an extension with the Blue Jackets. Uh, 15 games, he's got uh, two goals, one assist. He's a smaller player, but he's he's kind of built like a tank. And, you know, when he was in, with the Oil Kings, he was uh, an electric player. He was able to... To score, uh, he had 102 points in his final year, 37 goals, 65 assists. So, you know, maybe there's a spot for him as a call-up. I'm um, not sure if he could, if he's a, a regular. He's one of those guys that, well, you know, he's such an offensive player. Where where does he fit in? So uh, that's, I think, where we're at with Trey, Trey Fix Wolanski. So, so thanks uh, to uh, Texter sending that in. Uh, that was Walt. Uh, thanks for that, Walt. Uh, uh, the Duke. So let's uh, check in with a little NFL. Uh, we didn't have much time to talk about it off the top, but there were some, I mean, I think the story probably of, of week number two would be the comebacks. Would you say that? Yeah, a couple a couple really notable ones. I think uh, on the top of everybody, everybody's mind is the Giants, mm-hmm. who, uh, you know, didn't score any points for... Um, well, you know, a, a game and a half yeah. <laughs> uh, of, of football for their season has started, and especially up against a bad team like the Cardinals. I mean, the Cardinals' defense was 
doing a pretty good job actually they're kind of you know playing for pride and stuff of course so they know their their offense might not necessarily have a ton of output but um elsewhere across the league yeah tons of great finishes couple overtime games lots of like one score games uh, right down to the wire we touched on the failed hail mary attempt by russ wilson the broncos and then even last night's game the patriots refused to go away against the the dolphins so it was it was just a great great day of football pretty much start to finish i think uh the patriots when uh when uh, belichick threw the the flag to challenge a spot and then they got kind of hosed. I thought that, yeah, I thought he was over. They, I mean, they made it on fourth down anyway. But I thought there was going to be maybe like a little tit for tat on the last play there with the big old lineman uh, after the lateral from Gazeki. I thought maybe, you know what, they'll make, let this slide, but it was just a little bit too far. Would have yeah. been nice to see because I think, what, 40 seconds left in the game about? They still had. Yeah, it was you know right you down know. down to the wire and and the the that play you mentioned by Gasecki like that's some pretty good um, situational awareness. I mean mm-hmm. like it, I, I think a lot of times in situations like that you'll see players they'll just like okay well I'm they know they're close and they'll just fully outstretch dive but Gasecki knowing well and full that he was not at the marker and a full outstretch is not going to get him there to make that lateral Fair. backwards to just whoever is open because he, he wasn't close by the time he got that uh, first contact from the defender and moving over to the lineman, uh, Cole Strange, I think it was, who, like I said, that it was, it was as close as close can get to uh, to actually convert in that that into a first down. Having so, said that, dude, I think it's Gizeki uh, was mad because he didn't run a proper route. You also, know? also possibly true, so, but sometimes you got to make the best of what uh, yeah. what's currently in front of you, and I think he did in that exact situation. It might have gave some Patriots fans some some flashbacks after their attempted lateral at the end of a game last year. Um, but this was a bit of a different situation. They were in complete desperation as opposed to just waiting for an overtime situation or something. So when know. he caught the ball, he was probably a half yard short when he caught it, and mm-hmm. he doubled back, right? Yeah, so. I, I think the double back maybe because he sees that defender coming, hoping to to step around him. The yeah. defender made a good tackle on him to, to pin him and, and hold him back. But text coming in to one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. Mike Babcock, of course. Uh, Hot topic of conversation. Imitation Tom says it's not about who. I believe he saw pictures uh, of me. It's about abuse of power and asking for things outside of his realm of rights. It's about young players not feeling like they can say no. What I put online and the intimate pictures on my phone are different. That's kind of what I said. And I mean, basically moving forward, he has this over the person. So it's it's a bullying. It is the power uh, and that's why we are what we're, where we are. Um, Babcock has a history of abuse like this, so I don't know why anyone would defend his actions. It's not right the way he treats his players in today's game. Uh, Woodcroft is a perfect example of how the game has evolved with how he handles his team in the media. Babcock is a dinosaur and he should stay extinct. That comes from Soggy Corpse. You know that um, once the Oilers get things going and Mike uh, and Jay Woodcroft has his first uh, uh, meeting with the media. Someone will pose the question, "What do you think about what happened in Detroit, uh, in Columbus?" Uh, you know, the two of them were in Detroit together for a long time. Mike Babcock and, and uh, Jay Woodcroft, um, and even for that matter, Ken Holland with strong ties to Mike Babcock as well. These are questions that you know we always call it localizing the story. Um, everyone, Mike, uh, sorry, uh, uh, Jay. And Ken will have kind of bagged answers that say, you know, it, it ran its course. Uh, the, you know, it, it was unveiled. We decided uh, we this is going to be our kind of statement. They'll have a, a, a kind of a, a bagged statement or a bagged response is what we call in the media. And then they'll kind of just say, let's just move forward on it. 
Uh, Duke, what do you see for eight games, the, the Oilers' first eight games of the season? What do you see for the month of October? Yeah, you, you ran it over. So like you said, just to recap for everybody uh, that might have missed you actually laying out the games. Um, so they start with a home and home with the Canucks first on the road and then uh, hosting them. Then they go to Nashville and Philly, host the Jets in Minnesota, host the Rangers, and then host the Flames at the month's end, which is the Heritage Classic uh, outdoor game. So I think if you just kind of look at it game by game and just simply pick, like, is this a win or a loss in your mind? And it's a pretty... I don't want to say lax start of the schedule because they play mm-hmm. a couple teams that were not in the playoffs last year. Um, and I think, uh, what did Specs say? Six wins? Six and two, Specs. Six said. and two. I yeah. think that's a very reasonable expectation. Um, but I think we all know at the start of the season, even if guys are working out hard all summer, a couple new pieces to get into the mix, maybe a few kinks to work out, who knows, to shake the rust off a little bit more. I, I think five and three even still would be a, a good start because there's mm. a couple, uh, winning two straight games over an opponent I think is really tough to do, uh, even if the Canucks maybe aren't at the same level as the Oilers. And then, you know, the the Jets, Wild and Rangers and Flames are no, no slouches by any stretch, even the Predators. So I, I think expecting a uh, five and three record after those eight is, is perfect. Perfectly okay for the Oilers. I'm going to go six one and one. Mm. Uh, a hot start for the Oilers this year. Six one and one. Um, I think a lot of people are very excited about the outdoor game. In, even when it was announced, uh, I guess it was probably our first or second show, Duke, when we were talking about. Um, there was a lot of reaction about no alumni game, and I thought that one texter that that wrote that one text about. I don't, I don't want to even see the, the guys from the 80s, he said, right? I would rather see, like, so Jerome again, Ryan Smith, um, Kipper, and uh, Roley, you know, any guys like that, you know, that that just from maybe a little fresher, so, you know, from 2000 on or whatever you want to call it. So I think still a lot of people are 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 not upset. They, they really wanted to see an alumni game of sorts. And I, I kind of agree with him. I, I was, you know, that's, it gets people talking about the rich tradition of the teams, not saying that they're not already, but I think it's kind of interesting. Uh, Lone Star Len texts in, uh, I can't believe it seems like no matter what these guys do, they keep getting hired, yet the whole hockey field is full with great coaches, uh, assistant coaches at many levels. They start promoting, and they need to start promoting up uh, these guys, not all the jerks, again and again. Uh, Imitation Tom says, I bet Woody opts not to comment on a friend. Um, I think, but Jay Woodcroft is very good with the media. I'm, I'm sure he'll say something. Uh, I, I don't think he'll say no comment. Maybe he will. We'll see what happens with that. one 401 Um We're going to have Jimmy Murphy on uh, after the break. Uh, what do you think the reaction would be in, in Boston, Duke, I guess, you know, with the Patriots last night, Bruins are, you know, Patriots are, well, 0-2, right, to start the season. Bruins are in a rebuild, maybe, if you want to call it that. I don't even know if that's the right word because they just lost so many veteran players. What do you think he'll be saying about what the, um, I guess, you know, the, the feeling is in, 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 in Boston Mass? I think Boston sports fans have this um, innate desire to win like it, they, they and they have reason to they there mm-hmm. have 
really uh, dominated in terms of an individual city like championships over the past um, decade or two. You know, the Celtics have a couple, the Red Sox with a few, um, Boston in 11 to another couple cup finals. And of course, the, the Patriots' success is unparalleled over the last 20 years. Yeah. So it, uh, I, I think they'll, the Boston fans will remain optimistic, but maybe cautiously so. Because like you said, I, I don't think Boston, the Bruins, you can classify as a rebuild right now. They, they have too much uh, money invested mm-hmm. into areas where that's not a rebuilding situation. I think it's going to be more of a retool, uh, maybe on the fly here through season. They're going to see what works and what doesn't, which of these players can step up and fill maybe a top six centerman role, or do they have to go out and get somebody? Um, the, the drafting has not been particularly good in Boston, and part of it's because they trade a lot of picks away yeah. uh, in in chase of success and championships, which good for them. Flags fly forever, but uh, they have missed on a few notable first-round picks, uh, three in a row in 2015 particularly, um, minus Jake DeBrus, mm-hmm. who, who, like you said, I think we'll talk with uh, uh, Jimmy about. Yeah. So I, I would think still cautiously optimistic is where uh, Boston sports fans are at. You know, the Red Sox, they're out of it, but nobody expected them to be very good this year, so that's fine. And the Bruins, several play, people have said this, they can win 15 less games and still probably be a playoff team compared to last season. So uh, they have room for a, for a drop-off but just obviously not too much because a lot of teams have got a lot better this offseason too. Jordo has a very interesting take on the alumni game. We're going to get to his uh, text uh, a little bit later in the show because we're going to go to break, and then when we come back, we will check in with Jimmy Murphy from Boston Hockey Now on the Kevin Carrier Show on Sports 1440. All right, welcome back to the big program. Another big guest coming up on Sports 1440 today. Elks quarterback Trey Ford will join Jason Greger at... 420 today, so uh, tune in for that. Trey Ford, 420, Elks quarterback, uh, Elks with a couple wins in a row. Uh, just want to touch base with Amanda, or just our, our great texter, Amanda, who said it's so dry. She kinda, she's kind of turned into the uh, the Carl Spackler from uh, Caddyshack. You know, the, the, the Amanda has grown deadly silent. She's not responding to our dry text, so sorry, Amanda. Maybe we'll hear from you a little bit later. All right, let's bring in Jimmy Murphy from Boston Hockey. Now, Jimmy, welcome to the big program. How are things in uh, well, Massachusetts today after uh, Pats with a tough uh, loss last night on Sunday Night Football to Miami? Yeah, and it's raining. Oh. It's, it's, it's a typical blurry, you know, miserable Monday right now. <laughs> That's the best way I could put it. Uh, people are not happy here in the city of Boston right now after that game last night, but... Uh, they've got some hockey to look forward to. Training camp for the Bruins opens on Wednesday, so uh, they can look on the bright side there. So, camp opens. Uh, would you be able to kind of say your top storylines for Bruins camp this year heading into the regular season here? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the biggest one um, would be, you know, can Pavel Zacher and Charlie Coyle handle the load as uh, top six centers? Uh, right now, they, it kind of seems as if they've got Zaka slotted in at the number one slot and then Coyle behind him. And, you know, if you follow Charlie Coyle throughout his career, um, earlier in his career before he got to Boston, he they tried to use him in Minnesota a lot in a, in a top two slot there, and it just it didn't work out too well. And then he just found his niche here, and he's been, in my opinion, uh, one of the best free centers in the, in the league mm-hmm. over the last few years. Uh, He's great on the puck. He, he's, he's got that big body. He can do, he, He's good because by that time, players get to him. They're worn down at that time in the game. They can put him out in some great defensive situations. So he kind of found that role as a good penalty killer, a good 3C, 
Um, but now he's going to have to step up into the two C, and I'm interested to see how he handles that and how Zaka handles the one C. Our guest on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440 is Jimmy Murphy from Boston Hockey. Now, um, I mean, we watched uh, Patrice Bergeron for many, many years uh, turn into just a wonderful player, uh, probably one of the top defensive players in the history of the NHL. Um, I, I, you can't replace him. So what will the Bruins do uh, without Patrice Bergeron moving forward? Well, I mean, look, nobody is they're, is they're telling us and they're, and they're dead on when they say it. I don't think it's just, you know, they're not just feeding us uh, the, the club official word to tell the media or anything. I mean, it's the truth. You're never going to replace Patrice Bergeron. Uh, there will never be another Patrice Bergeron, and they know that. So this is going to be kind of a, a committee thing where they're going to have to pick up the load. And, you know, going back to what I was saying with the, the two center spots there with Zachary and Coyle, it's going to be interesting, too, how they handle – crucial face-offs. You know, mm-hmm. Bergeron was always a guy to take that face-off in the defensive zone, and, you know, eight out of ten times, he's winning it, and the puck's going back up the other way. Um, that's not going to happen as much anymore. You know, it's just it's just the way it is. So they're going to have to adapt and, and get used to life without him, but I think they still have some good leaders in the locker room uh, in terms of the leadership regard. I, I think Coyle himself is a good leader, and of course Brad Marchand, and, you know, they bring back Milan Lucic, who you guys are familiar mm-hmm. with out there. I think you know, we all know what he is at this point in his career. He's not going to light the scoreboard up, but uh, he could be a solid fourth liner. And I think he was specifically brought back to kind of maintain that culture that Bergeron and Chara established over the years as they transition into a new era with the younger players like uh, uh, David Parsnack or Charlie McAvoy. So it's definitely a transition season right now, um, but I think they've got some good leaders in place still. Uh, that can help guide those younger guys through this. What was the reaction when Milan Lucic was signed in Boston? Oh, he's a rock star. Right before <laughs> you guys called, I was actually just scrolling through Twitter, and I mean, I feel like he's at every Boston sporting event now. He's He was at the Patriots game, did a little video on Twitter last night. Uh, I mean, he's, he's like their number one spokesman now. He's everywhere. So uh, they've embraced him. I mean, he was a cult hero here, kind of. I don't know if I could put him as much, you know, the, the older folks will get a little mad if I say it, but, I mean, kind of in that Terry O'Reilly category or, you know, the Stan Jonathan category, just one of those grinders. This is a working-class town, and uh, he really meshed well with them in his first in here, and they've welcomed him back with open arms. Our guest on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440 is Jimmy Murphy from Boston Hockey. Now, uh, one other uh, player with some local ties here uh, is Obviously, Jake DeBrusque, uh, he's got one year left uh, at $4 million before uh, he becomes an unrestricted free agent. Where are the Bruins and Jake DeBrusque uh, at in the future of this, uh, well, 26-year-old player and a key part of this team? They're nowhere. Uh, and that's coming straight from the horse's mouth. That's from Jake DeBrusque, who told us last week at the team golf tournament they have every year before training camp kicks off. Uh you know, he made it pretty clear. He's, he's talked like, He talked to some reporters out in Edmonton a couple weeks ago. I don't know if you saw that. And he said, I want to stay. I want to mm-hmm. be a Bruin. Uh, it's been quiet on the Bruin side of this. And then, you know, DeBrus came out and said, look, uh, it's going to take two sides to tango here. And yeah. clearly he's saying that the DeBrus side is ready to tango and the Bruins aren't. And, you know, I think right now the way the Bruins are looking at it, right or wrong, I mean, it, you know, everyone can have their opinion on this, but I do understand it is they're looking at what is Jake 
Sabrat's going to do now without Patrice Bergeron as his center? What is he going to do without David Krejci as his center? Because those are the two centers that he's basically known since he's been a Boston Bruin, and he's been very lucky to have those guys feeding him the puck. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think he's matured a lot over the last couple of years, ever since he requested that trade, and then yeah. he didn't get traded at the deadline. I believe it was um, 2022, mm-hmm. maybe. And, you know, they signed him to that two-year extension, right? And so he kind of just took on a different attitude and said, I know i got to prove myself here. i got to stop complaining. i got to stop blaming everyone else. And he took it upon himself to correct his game, get bigger, get stronger, and really skate harder out there because when he gets the wheels going, he's really effective. Um, but I think the Bruins just want to see what he can do sort of on his own, so to speak, without those two centers in this contract year. And I think the other thing they look at right now, guys, is you know they're going to have a ton of cap space coming off the books next mm-hmm. summer. I mean, I, I kind of last time, I mean, and this is, you know, given that they don't sign anyone to an extension and everyone goes unsigned by July 1st, they could have upwards of $30 million coming off the cap. So, you know, Don Sweeney's probably looking ahead and saying, I, I've got some money. I, do I want to just lock good portion of it in right now on this player right now? Or do I want to wait and see how he does? And maybe even wait and see... You know, see how the trade deadline maybe shapes up the free agent market, so to speak, in March. And then maybe he starts to look at him, if that is if he doesn't deal him, um, you know, and they start to look at an extension from there. But I, I think this is going to take a lot longer than Jacob Brock would like. Speaking with Jimmy Murphy, Boston Hockey Now on the Kevin Carrier Show, Sports 1440. Uh, guys, as you mentioned, like Matt Greslick, uh, Derek Forward comes off the books uh, mm. for next year and a couple smaller pieces, but... Who, when you were saying, well, he hasn't played a lot with other guys that are on their way out the door or not returning, so who do you think the Jake DeBrus kind of starts the season with on a line? You know, they had him with um, with Coyle a little in the playoffs uh, in games three and four, which mm-hmm. they won both games. That was when uh, Bergeron and Krejci were out, um, and they, they matched pretty well. So I wouldn't be surprised to see them there. I think, you know, with Coyle's size, like I was saying earlier, he can open up some space maybe pave a lane here and there for DeBrus to get to the net and, and just rush the net. Because I, I think when if he's crashing the net, chances are it, it, if he doesn't score, somebody else is going to. He, he, he's that effective when he is going in like a wrecking ball like yeah. that. So I think that would be a good combo right there, Coyle and DeBrus. We'll have to see how that uh, plays out. Goaltending was so strong for the Bruins last year, and I'm assuming that uh, Bruins fans and management uh, are hoping it kind of picks up where it left off uh, a year ago. Yeah, I mean, and that was an interesting one too, right? Because we heard throughout the summer, I mean, and even it got to the point where at the NHL Awards, uh, Linus Allmark was basically saying, hey, I don't – I might go up here and get the Vezina Trophy and be on a different team tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's, it's just the reality of the world right now in the salary cap world. And, you know, the, the Bruins, I can confirm, numerous times entertained offers. They didn't find the one they wanted, but they were willing to part ways with Venus Almark despite the historic season they had because they're so confident in Jeremy Swayman and it could have freed up some money. Um, and they look, I think, you know, they pegged Swayman in as their number one guy going forward for the future. So... I'm interested to see what happens with Almark and how he how he responds on the ice. He he said all the right things over the summer, but how, does that affect his game at all? That you know he knows the guys upstairs are willing to part ways with me. That can get in your head a bit. I mean, we know the goalie position is probably the most mental position out there. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how he responds. And look, the problem too is 
after last year, he can only go down, right? I mean, you cannot replicate that two years straight, what he did last year. It was amazing. Uh, and props to him for that. So I think they're going to lean a little more heavily on Swayman this year, and we'll see where it goes. Yeah, Swayman, uh, he was great last year. Allmark was great, and it was a big reason why. And, I mean, it was obviously a disappointing playoff. We all know that. Um, so another uh, player that with some ties to Edmonton, as we were speaking with uh, Jimmy Murphy from Boston Hockey now, is Alex Chason. So he's almost mm-hmm. like the king. He's on a, a PTO, professional tryout. Um, you know, this guy, I mean, I think the last, I don't know, I even know how many years he signed a PTO. He just keeps kind of plugging along, plugging along. Is there is there a spot for Alex Chason in Boston moving forward? Yeah, it's interesting. Look, and I, I hope there is because I think he's a great story. And, I, you know, I was, we were talking last week, I think maybe even like 10 days ago now, but mm-hmm. he was, uh, talk, I mean, this is his fifth PTO. It was amazing. And and he keeps making teams, and he keeps getting on teams, and he parlays into other contracts. So, you know, credit to him, man. This guy bets on himself a lot, and he wins. And I like that. I like his work ethic. And, I, you know, I know people uh, up in Montreal that coached him when he was younger, and um, he's a great story. And I I think there is a spot there. It's just I found it interesting, and maybe they're just doing it to spur up competition at camp. But, you know, Sweeney has been preaching to us they want to give younger guys uh, more of a chance in this year's training camp. They want to start to filter their, their youth and their prospects into the NHL lineup. And yet he goes out and brings in a Luchik. He signs him. He signs Jason to a PTO. So it's kind of like, okay, well, where is that window now for these younger guys? So it's going to be very interesting to see how does that elevate the younger guys' to pl- uh, play because they know that they really got to turn it on because they've got guys like that in the fourth line, like a Lucic, like a Chase on that could take those spots there. So mm-hmm. um, I, I think he can make it. I really do. And he's, he's a Sweeney type of player. Sweeney has targeted him yeah. for years. He's always been interested in this guy. He came very close to acquiring him at a couple trade deadlines. So. Um, I think there's a fit there for him if he continues to work hard, which I'm sure he will. And he just keeps plugging along, as you said, just PTO after PTO. He just, you know, he turns it into a contract after contract. It's a testament to his. Got one heck of a wife, I'll tell you that. <laughs> She's packing. But where are we going to go now? Hey, honey. Well, let's figure it out. Whatever. For- <laughs> no kidding. Yeah, Jimmy Murphy from Boston Hockey now. Um, what kind of job do you think? Obviously, he did a great job, Jim Montgomery, last year. But how does he does he coach a little different now that he can't send uh, Patrice uh, Bergeron over the boards for every key face-off in the defensive zone and things like that? Does he coach a little different this year, do you think? He's, he's going to have to. And, you know, I mean, man, I mean, having Patrice Bergeron was kind of like, you know, not that it was, you know, it was a fighting league, so to speak, or uh, Bergie was trying to get everybody to fight. But he's like a Reg Dunlop, right? Yeah. <laughs> he's a player-coach guy, and he's... He literally, I mean, you could see, if you watch carefully some games, you could see Bergeron mapping out plays like a coach would on the bench. I mean, that's, that's how much he was a part of that coaching staff. And so, yeah, they're going to have to change their ways. They've also got an assistant coach spot open. They said they're going to um, tell us probably by the end of this week we'll find out who that new assistant will be. So a new guy will be coming onto his staff. Um, but I think he did a great job, and, you know, I spoke to him at that golf tournament last week, too, and he took a lot of lessons from Bergeron. And I, I think that that, in the long run, I, I know Bruins fans can't see it that way right now, that, you know, after they lost that seven-game series to Florida. But as far as Jim Montgomery goes, I, I think that really seasoned him, so to speak. And I, I think that's going to be a, mm-hmm. a good learning experience as time goes on for him as a coach. And I think he'll do okay. I mean, I, I think he's got a good pulse of this locker room. 
The young guys really like him. Uh, so I, I'm confident. I don't know if it's going to be a Jack Adams type season, mm-hmm. but he'll do a solid job. Yeah, player coach Reg Dunlop, as uh, Dave Killer Carlson said, Reg, <laughs> I want that hundred dollars. And Paul Newman said, "Well, kid, you're going to have to earn it." <laughs> oh, yeah, you must have watched that movie a hundred times, huh? Yeah, no, no, I'd say more like 200. Oh, awesome. Well, we might have to get into some yeah. slap shot trivia with you one of these times as we were uh, speaking with yeah, Jimmy Murphy from... Yeah, well, I mean, I've probably seen it about 500 times, so we're on the same level for sure. I've actually got a, an old uh, jacket that a lot of people call it the Reg Dunlop jacket, but he had the two-piece <laughs> leather. Uh, this is more of a Tim Dr. Hook McCracken jacket, so... Pretty. Yeah. I'll have to. I'll, I'll have to send you a picture, Jimmy. You'll you'll enjoy it. I was. Do, I did an event with it. with the Hansons. Uh, done several of them, and uh, with uh, Jerry Hauser, Dave Keller, Carlson, and um, uh, Johnny Upton, uh, and uh, even the goalie, uh, uh, Denny Lemieux, came I was out too. Say that, yeah. Denny Lemieux does a lot of charity events. <laughs> he you know? does. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I just wanted to switch gears and ask you one quick one about the Professional Women's Hockey League. Um, Boston with a team. Sure. Um, how much play is it getting down there? They have the draft today. But um, what's the the buzz about the the, the women's hockey league starting up in Boston? Uh, not enough, in my opinion. Okay. I would like to see uh, a lot more buzz around that because, I mean, women's hockey and girls hockey is really growing here uh, in the state right now, and, and especially in the greater Boston area. So it's it, it's got a lot of grassroots strength right now, and I wish the media would would cover it a little more and. Hopefully they do as they go on, but I, I think it's great that this league's been created, that they have a steady league, excuse me, that they can depend on now, you know, not two leagues. and mm-hmm. just it, it was so disorganized for so long, but it seems like they've really got on track here. So I'm hoping it takes off. Do you think, um, uh, like, I know a lot of the NHL teams are, you know, they're, they're supporting it big time. Do you, is there going to be a connection between the Bruins and the women's team there? I know, I mean, they're not funding them or anything. Right. I mean, there's no financial connection. But I, knowing the Bruins, I mean, yeah. they're, they're great at supporting their fellow sports teams around here, like the Red Sox, Celtics, Patriots, So I, I, and, the, and the teams reciprocate as well. So I don't see why they wouldn't. And even when, you know, we had the Boston Pride here, and they were a very successful franchise, right. um, the Bruins were always putting stuff up on their Twitter feed or their Instagram, promoting them, wishing them luck all the time, and, uh, you know, so I think it, there's a good brother-sister relationship there going on. Well, uh, thanks for this, uh, Jimmy. Maybe we'll have you on. The next time we have you on, we'll do some slap shot trivia. How's that sound? I'll be ready. Let's <laughs> do it. I'll have to watch it again now to refresh my memory. Yeah, exactly. Well, one of the songs that we had on last Friday was a little bit south of Saskatoon. You know, one of the theme oh, songs? Oh, yeah. Sonny James, for sure. Uh, thanks very much for this, Jimmy. Really appreciate your time uh, and uh, enjoy covering the Bruins this year. And we'll talk soon. Anytime, guys. Have a good one. All right. That's Jimmy Murphy, Boston Hockey Now. Uh, as the Bruins are getting ready, it'll be an interesting dynamic with local product Jake DeBrusque moving forward, uh, his future in Boston, and we'll see what happens there. When we come back, we will uh, hook up with Dean Cordero, head coach of the McEwen Griffins women's soccer team. That's coming up next on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. All right. uh, Welcome back to the big program. Uh, Keith Urban, I was uh, just telling the the Duke, uh, one for one so far this morning, name that tune. You like Keith Urban, eh, Duke? 
Uh, I, I think he's a, a very talented yeah. individual songwriter, guitar player. I, I just love the opening little instrumental, that sample that he uses on the intro of that song there. Wow. Love it. The things you didn't know about the Duke. He just loves the instrumental and the pianos and everything. Anything else? Like, are we getting into some, like... I'm a complicated man, are, Kevin. You are. People, people just see this uh, hick from small town AB. From Delbert, I've got yeah. a lot of depth. The Duke, it. yeah. Like, are you going, like, are you going... Did you even watch football yesterday? Or were you down at uh, at the uh, Windspear for, you know, maybe it was uh, uh, a, a cello concert? I uh, I do love, like, the, uh, like, live performances, like the theater. It would be kind yeah. of jube to see, um, yes. like, Mamma Mia or uh, Book of Mormon or something like that. Uh, I just love watching talented people do what they best at, uh, what they are best at, whether that is on the gridiron, like yesterday on Sunday, or yeah. going to the Jubilee for a nice uh, Friday evening affair or something. The Duke so. of Delburn, in-depth. We're going to really crack this. We're going to peel the onion, the, la- the layers back on the Duke, see what he's all about. Uh, 941, let's uh, bring in Dean Cordero, head coach of the McEwen Griffins women's soccer team. Morning, Dean. How's it going? It's going really good, Kevin. How are you guys? Oh, we're just doing fabulous. Uh, week number three of um, Sports 1440, All Talk Radio. I think it's uh, been going great, and we love talking uh, everything from, you know, Oilers to Elks to all the way down to uh, university, and we've had uh, some tremendous guests, and we're looking forward to talk about uh, your season. So, uh, obviously, you guys start a little earlier uh, because of just the weather and things like that. How has the, the season been going so far for the Griffiths women's soccer team? Yeah, I know we got going in August here. Training camp started just at the end of July, and now we're at the midway point of our season. So it's been going really, really well. Um, we're currently six wins, and we had our first uh, draw of the season just yesterday. Um, and then we had a little bit of a crazy weekend because we also hosted Mount Royal University on Saturday, and we were up 2 nothing in that match and going into the 35th minute, but it was uh, suspended due to mm-hmm. the air quality. So... The rest of that game will be picked up at a later time. So, uh, and then we were watching the air quality index yesterday too, and was just able to get our game in um, just due to the weather here. But yeah, it's been a great start to the season. I'm really proud of the group. You know, we're top of the table and and uh, and 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 Canada West mm-hmm. tied with UBC um, in terms of being in first spot at each respective division. And uh, we're excited about the remaining part of the season here. How do you monitor the air quality for the games that, again, you have, you have to finish one and, and tough to get the other one in? But so who does that for you and, and how does that work, uh, you know, leading up to the game and during the game? Yeah, it, it's a bit of a, it, it's a bit tricky and that's above my pay grade because we're <laughs> obviously coaching, but we have uh, a lot of amazing staff at our institution as well as the officials and usually the referees will have uh, an assessor there as well that kind of monitors all that and we get hourly updates so that's when things kind of get a bit tricky um our men's game on saturday got played because they were the noon start we were the second game of the double header so ours just we couldn't finish it and then we were reversed yesterday so yeah it just seems to in the morning it gets a little bit better but as the day continues it seems like the smoke maybe uh you know doesn't dissipate enough and it comes in a little bit heavier so you know player safety is always mm-hmm. at the forefront and Although it's not ideal with rescheduled matches, it's uh, it's a necessity to ensure that everybody is safe and you know able to get out there and and play when the conditions are a little bit better. McEwen Griffin's uh, women's soccer coach Dean Cordero is our guest on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports fourteen forty. Um, 
discuss a little bit about your team. How many players are, are still remaining from your national championship side a couple of years ago? Okay, let's uh, have to do some thinking here. I want to say, though, know, there's a good core group. Yeah. I want to say from that national championship team, we we have a good, I think, maybe 15, 16 players that were part of that. Wow. So I think that's really made, you know, this group be as successful as it's been over the last few years. But, you know, we feel like we got a little bit of unfinished business and, you know, we have a lot of good leadership that, you know, has been there and done that. So, you know, we've, you know, Canada West, for me, it's the toughest conference in all of youth sport for women's soccer. So, you know, every game is, is a battle. And, you know, if you're not ready to go, you're going to drop points. And I think you see with how, you know, for the most part, the table is so tight in regards to standings that, you know, you having those players that are battle-tested, as I like to say, that have been there and, yeah. you know, won a championship, it really helps. And we've had a few come clutch for us this year and score some big goals when, you know, we're in the last minutes of, of some matches to get the, the result and that we're looking for. And um, But otherwise, it's, you know, there's a lot of, the margins are small. So it was the first uh, national championship in uh, school history couple of years ago um what is it meant to the program um kind of moving forward you know i think it was massive right like um you know i know for myself in particular we had a plan we we saw it out we built something special here in our local community and it was amazing to climb the top of the mountain in 2021 i know my first year at the institution was 2013 and we were still competing at the collegiate ranks at that time and looking to make the move mm-hmm. come 2014 and 2013 was a special special year as well because we were at the college ranks but we were able to win an ACAC championship and then win a CCA national championship that year and I think that really kick-started our jump to youth sport in 2014 and then since joining the league we kind of you know there was no looking back every year we made playoffs um with the exception of last year and then we um obviously climbed the top of the mountain in 2021 so in in seven short years six Mm -hmm. seasons because we had the pandemic in 2020 um we were able to become the first school in canada to win a collegiate national championship and a youth sports national championship so very proud of what this amazing group has been able to accomplish and all the players that came before the current group but yeah it's 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 been uh it's happened so quickly but yeah, it's, it's been fast and, and just, again, super proud of these amazing student-athletes who, you know, accomplish so much in the classroom, on the pitch, and give back to this wonderful community so much. Yeah, um, you know, you know we've, when I was working in television, we covered you guys quite extensively a couple of years ago. Um, and it was a different... And I, yeah, I have to, and our listeners, please take this the right way. But because of the the rich history tradition of the University of Alberta, I mean, McEwen came into the the U Sports, you know, just a few years back. So as a television station, we covered the Bears and Pandas all the time. But then when McEwen started coming on the scene, and most notably because of the women's soccer program, it went to the same level of coverage. Uh, as the U of A. So when I kind of relate that story to you, Dean, what does that kind of mean to the school as a whole? Yeah, it means everything. It means, you know, our growth and development is is, is in place, right? And again, we have a, a short history of now 10 years, right? And, and nine seasons at the youth sport level. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the school across the river, it's, you know, a very prestigious institution, 
Um, they've been around. There's a lot of history and a lot of success there. So, you know, we're trying to, you know, get ourselves at that same level and what takes time. And, you know, fortunately for women's soccer, we've been able to break through. And, you know, many of our other teams are doing some very um, good things. And, you know, it's exciting to see the progress at the institution, the support mm-hmm. we have within the community and our department and just the growth our school has had and, and very quick, you know, turnaround but from going to being a collegiate you know competing at the collegiate level to now at the youth sports level so yeah proud of the growth and and excited to see where you know where else this uh, institution can head to for sure it's a massive jump to go from acac and then all the way right up to youth sports in a in a short time how do you uh, specifically soccer how do you recruit your players because now i mean you're always you know, you're fighting it out with Alberta. You're fighting it out with UBC and all these other great schools that have great teams. Um, so what's the recruiting process for the Griffins women's team? Yeah, I don't think it's too dissimilar to what a lot of the other top programs are doing. But I know, um, you know, I'm deep-rooted and born and raised here in, in Edmonton and, you know, played um, at, at Concordia College as well and at mm-hmm. some high levels. So, once I kind of took on coaching, I knew, hey, this is uh, something I was passionate about. So, you know, you got to put in the work is what I'd say. So for me, as soon as we made that jump, you know, there was nobody out, you know, scouting, recruiting, you know, more than myself and my staff. So we, uh, you know, we, we go out there, we look for talented individuals, but more importantly, you know, high character yeah. um, individuals who check all the boxes of what we look for when we're, you know, recruiting Griffin student-athletes and that's academic success, athletic success, and then, again, championing all the amazing things we give back to our community. And, you know, for me, it's just trying to find the right pieces to the puzzle. You know, the one thing that I think has really helped us accelerate our program is just, you know, the culture that we kind of instill within our team and, and bringing in those individuals that are here for the right reasons, you know, hardworking players who, you know, put themselves mm-hmm. before the team. Um, we... Uh, put the team before themselves sorry you know we have a couple mottos and one being that we wear on our training shirts is we before me right it's always got to be that greater kind of collective group so you know it's been a lot of work of trying to find people that we we see you know fit certain roles and responsibilities within the group but it's happened quickly you know we built something we had a plan we had a vision with a five-year vision i know my old athletic director um, when he, he hired me and I had a five-year plan and in my plan when I presented when I got the position was to win a national championship you know he chuckled a little bit he's like that's that's almost going to be near impossible and and I said yeah but I'm a highly competitive individual and you know that's my goal and um, I didn't accomplish the task in five years it took six um, but I'm proud nonetheless and he did reach out after he had <laughs> moved on and he's like I can't believe what I'm what wow. I just witnessed so it, it all happened so quickly, but again, just the support I get from the institution has just been amazing. You know, we have a great department in place um, and just, again, so happy to to work in the community that I was born and raised and played. And, you know, we're, we're looking for other players who are passionate, you know, a lot of Albertans. So mm-hmm. when I tell the story, when we won in 2021, our starting 11 was all Alberta kids. Yeah. And now uh, when you look at the national stage, Sometimes we don't get enough love when you look at national team camps right. and call-ups and stuff. And so much talent here in this amazing city and province that, you know, we are, you know, with a lot of kids from Calgary. Mm-hmm. We had an amazing student athlete from Lethbridge, Red Deer. So we, uh, 
we leave no stone unturned when we're looking to bring in kids in the recruiting process. So that's kind of how it's been over this last little bit. For sure. Um, Dean Cordero, head coach of the McEwen Griffins women's soccer team, joins us. You know, we had Laurie Ann Munzers, our, our fr- uh, Monday morning co-host from 7 to 9, and a lot of her uh, principles, um, uh, her thoughts of success are the same things that you just mentioned. So, I mean, she's a, a mindset coach. She won an Olympic gold in 2004. All of the things that she said this morning and in prior uh, last last Monday are the things that are needed for a team uh, to be successful. So, um, you guys mirror image uh, your your game plans to to kind of get to the top for sure. Uh, did do you guys have a, a dog running around the pitch right now, uh, Dean? Yeah, we, we have a therapy team dog, and okay. it's been a game changer for our program. And when I talk staff, I tell you, Diane is kind of at the top of that list. So, yeah, there's a cool little feature done about her mm-hmm. um, just on Friday with, um, yeah, with the, one of the local networks. And yeah. it, was, uh, it, it was great to see her get the love she deserves. She, um, she's at most sessions, and when she's there, it's just a nice little – 30 second break for some of the players sometimes and you know we're lucky to have the athletes in the summer when school hasn't started for a good kind of five weeks but now that they're back in in school it's it's time management it's tricky right so we Mm want to make sure that when we have them for two hours we have them in the right mindset on the pitch and you know having the team therapy dog there just kind of helps them reset when sometimes they may need in between drills and stuff so yeah, you did see that correctly. What's the player reaction been over it? Oh, they love it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely love it. Um, I'm still trying to find ways that I can uh, compensate uh, our therapy dog here, like put, a, <laughs> put them officially on contract. We don't want to. We don't want to lose uh, her to any competitors. She's wow. just been like just uh, a dream come true for the team. I'm sure a couple and, uh, milk, milk bones and things like that probably exactly. do the trick, right? <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we got to make sure we take care of our people, right? Yeah, our pets. So, for sure. Um, yeah, Diane's been amazing, and yeah, no, no, no issues. Everybody's been fully in support, and yeah, just nice to have somebody there that you know yeah. can go uh, give a little pet, you know, well, in between drills and stuff. And if you saw any of the yes. highlights, like she's yeah. literally when the team's warming up. She's basically warming up as well, or she's right next to where the group is. So well, that's great. she likes to be close to the crowd. Probably you can throw her in goal too, maybe see what happens uh, for <laughs> sure. Can you run down just one last one for you, uh, uh, Dino? Just um, your schedule coming up here uh, and next home games and things like that. Yeah, so we're on the road now. Um, we uh, we just finished kind of a little bit of a homestand that we had, and we fly out on Thursday. We got UBC, um, which will be the battle of the last two undefeated um, schools in Canada mm-hmm. West on Friday. So that's a big one on their home pitch, Thunderbird Stadium. And then uh, we travel to Prince George. So we'll have a, a travel day in between and we play UNBC, um, University of Northern British Columbia, on Sunday on the road there. And then we'll be at home the following weekend. It'll be kind of a rivalry weekend where we have, uh, you know, the Battle of Edmonton, if you will, with. Uh, home and away fixtures with the University of Alberta. So Saturday they host us, mm-hmm. and then we uh, have the return fixture Sunday, um, 7 p.m. at Clark Stadium. So that's the following weekend. All right, good stuff. Uh, Dino, thanks for this uh, continued success for the remainder of the year. Yeah, no, appreciate it, Kevin. Thank you so much for, for having us on. I appreciate it, and welcome back. I know uh, 
when sports radio had left for a little bit and left the void in my uh, day-to-day. So glad to see that you guys are back and running and you guys are always doing a great job. So welcome back and thanks again for having me. Well, great. Thanks for listening. Uh, that's uh, Dean Cordero, head coach of the McEwen Grivens women's soccer team. Uh, when we come back in the 10 o'clock hour, we will check in with Mike Wilner to talk Toronto Blue Jays baseball from the uh, Toronto Star. Uh, as we go to break, here's... An update, a Sports 1440 update with the Duke.